Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Work-Wife Wine Time podcast the podcast for Australian women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women who are sharing the same business journey. It's Makala here with you today, and I'm really excited to connect you with my guest, Dana DeBrota, who is a body psychotherapist. So to start with, welcome to the podcast, Dana. Thank you so much. And Dana, can you start by telling us a bit about what a psychotherapist is and what it is you actually do in your business? So tell us a bit about you and your business. Sure. So um, a psychotherapist generally is a talk therapist. Um, I'm a body psychotherapist, but the psychotherapy part is really important. Um, And it's really about building relationship and correcting patterns from the past that we've learned through relationship in a new relationship with a therapist. Um, So that's kind of the psychotherapy part. Mm -hmm. Um, And it comes from, you know, Freud and all of those guys that we know those names um, from a psychoanalytic school. Um, In terms of the body psychotherapy um, part, that's kind of a big umbrella term because there's so many modalities um, of body psychotherapy or somatic psychotherapy is another way that it can be called. Mm -hmm. And basically um, in the work that I do, in the modality that I practice predominantly, which is core energetics, we do have a lot of that talk therapy part and that relational um, healing part, but we also work directly with the body. Um, with things like breath work, vibration, movement, um, trauma release, um, sound, and all sorts of things really depending on what the person needs coming in. So that was my next question. Like what kind of people or for what sort of reasons would people seek you out to work with you? So it's really varied as I'm sure most people that work with the body in any modality would tell you, but it can be anything from people experiencing your garden variety, anxiety and depression. Um, It could be relationship issues. It could be people that have experienced trauma um, in their childhood that they're wanting to resolve, PTSD. Um, But it also is a modality where a lot of people actually come where they have some sort of a chronic illness or chronic pain or another physical symptom that has no medical basis. Um, so that there's definitely something going on, but oftentimes they get directed to someone like me when they've seen other practitioners that say kind of we've worked everything we can from a medical or physical perspective only and there may be something emotional going on. Mm-hmm. So... Do you kind of work as a 
as a counsellor? Like, is it kind of a counselling role involving like body movement? Is that a way to sort of explain it? Sure. Yeah. So um, you could definitely go to a counsellor, but usually people that come to um, come to me are people that have probably done some talk therapy mm-hmm. and are like, there's, there's still issues. I kind of know. I know all this stuff. I know that I should do this and I shouldn't do that or I should choose people like this and not like that. But something's not clicking right. in the behaviour. Yep. So there is a counselling or talk part, but there's actually an unconscious pattern that's held. And that unconscious patterning in the behaviour is held in the unconscious wiring in the brain. Mm-hmm. And we access that through the body. Okay. That's really cool. So what what actually brought you into this field? What got you started down this path? Yeah, so my own journey really. Um, I had a number of car accidents that I eventually developed PTSD from and I just had to try absolutely everything to help me resolve the symptoms because, you know, the the psychologists I went to, the CBT therapists I went to, they were asking me to challenge my thoughts. But I was really very aware of what what the probability of car accidents were you know Mm -hmm. I was very aware of you know all of that stuff there was really nothing in my logical processing that was amiss but there was some reactions in my body and reactions in my emotions that were not controllable and that were instantaneous they were happening just totally you know in the background in a way and so I guess through that process I kind of uncovered a lot of different things about some of my history, some of my relationships, some of my own development, um, some of my, you know, unhealthy habits with food and other things. And so eventually I had talked myself out. I'd gone to all of the places. <laughs> and um, as a dancer, I have a dance background and I was just curious about what body psychotherapy was. Um, And I remember so distinctly it was halfway through my first therapy session that I just said, where do I do this? Like, sign me up. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm being signed up somewhere (laughs) because something just clicked. It just clicked um, so, so deeply for me on an intuitive level. And I was just like, this is it. This is it for me. Mm -hmm. And the following weekend I was in Brisbane starting my training as a body psychotherapist so wow yes it was really um a bit whirlwind in some ways (laughs) so what did you do before you decided to become a a body psychotherapist yeah so I was I'm trained in HR I have a business Mm -hmm. background and an international studies background and um I was working in education in HR and working in projects and I still do a little bit of that I sort of consider that more as my side hustle as opposed to my, yeah. my business and my body psychotherapy work. Yeah. Um, and I really like it. I mean, I enjoy I enjoy parts of it. Um, but there was something in this for me that just had was more more deeply meaningful. Mm. It makes a lot of sense. And so what do you do with yourself when you're not working in in either HR or your your own business? Yeah, I do um, lots of things. I do the regular things, you know, the Netflix, the, <laughs> um, you know, the the downtime and all of that. But um, I'm a dancer and that 
means a lot to me in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always done partner dancing and um, I used to actually teach um, dancing and body psychotherapy together as well as a little bit Mm -hmm. of a, um, a little hobby. Um, but I really love Pilates. That's a big thing for me in my life. Um, as I've kind of, I guess, worked with a lot of my emotional patterns, I've also become more and more aware of and willing to work with my body in a way that's caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have beautiful people in my life. I have a beautiful partner whom I love very much and I have wonderful friends and you know, I guess the rest of the time when I'm not giving, I'm con- I'm focused on nourishing myself. <laughs> that's that is so good. That's so important. That's it something is. that so many business women miss. Yeah, and it's hard, right? I mean, whenever there's space and time that's focused on me, I know that as a business person, that means it's not going to be focused on making income directly. Mm. right and I think that balance is an ongoing thing um and it's different for everyone based on where they're at in their life their business and their their needs um but I think for me personally so much of my personal work in this has been how to actually you know take a deep sense of responsibility for myself and my health and caring for myself Mm. um and so I kind of sometimes have to really reframe that of you know I'm I'm better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm better everywhere else when I'm feeling good. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It's like we we do I was talking to someone earlier today, one of my clients, mm. and she said that she was saying that she got sick last week with oh. the cold and that you know her initial reaction is always just keep working just work through it you'll be fine you know just take some cold tablets but she actually made the decision to be sick for three days good for and just take the time and you know she said and I came back just feeling so rejuvenated and ready to go again and it's like oh yes we're just listening to our bodies and you know when we get sick like it's it's often just our bodies going it would be really good time just to slow down and take some time off right now. Absolutely. No, and I certainly, I don't think it's something that's really valued in our culture, right? Mm. Um, Productivity is, you know, self-worth in a lot of Western cultures. Um, But but certainly one of the things I love with Corinogetics and with the work that I do is that we're constantly working on this premise of the energy wave and that energy wave has to have an opening or a preparing and there has to be a peak to that wave in terms of um, expressing or building energy and then there always has to be a way that you're integrating and using that energy you build to nourish yourself and to come back to homeostasis both from a nervous system perspective, from an emotional perspective. So it's like sometimes I personally, I love that productivity high. I mean, that superhero, like, yes, I can get everything done. You know, who doesn't? Um, I think most business people, you know, really, <laughs> there's a little bit of extra spicy joy from that part. That's it. You get to the end of the day and it's like, yes. Yes, exactly. Everything off that list. Woo. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, and it's like, you know, the growing edge, I know certainly has been for me and continues to be. It's like, great, you, you know, that's your strength, your strengths in the productivity part, mm. um, but actually building a capacity to come down mm. um, is equally important, especially where that's not where I naturally lie, you know. Mm. Can you, like, explain a bit more um, what you mean about that? Because, like, I'm just fascinated. I'm taking it all in right now. Yeah, so I guess there's a couple of ways to look at um, that kind of being up or coming down. Um, And so if we look at it from a nervous system perspective, when we're up, we're really we have an activation in our system. So that might be increased heart rate, that might be having more heat in the body, um, that could be um, even lots of thoughts going around. It's almost like everything is on. If you think of a light switch, it's like the lights are on. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're kind of have come down, you're kind of more in a rest and digest phase, um, you often might feel more energy lower in your body, more of an openness through your body, um, a slower heart rate. You might be able to kind of feel like, oh, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. I'm tired. It's You really are able to listen to the whispers a little better. Um, and obviously there's lots of technical ways I can talk about that, but just as a lay way, that's, you kind of have that. Um, I guess the other sort of side of it from an um, energetic perspective, if you think about exercising, right, so if you are doing some strength training or a high-intensity class or an aerobics class or going for a walk, right, mm-hmm. you have a warm-up phase where you're kind of opening up the pathways in your body. Yep. And then you're engaging fully in the intensity of the exercise. So you're, you know, doing the thing, you're doing the lifting, you're doing the running, you're doing whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. And then at the end, you have a stretch phase, right? Mm-hmm. So that happens with everything, not just with exercise, with an emotion. There's a growing okay. of an emotion. Yeah. Then the emotion's in full flight, Yeah. right? And then... It passes, actually. Mm -hmm. So this is the kind of wave that runs through everything. The breath, we have a a moment, then we breathe in. That's the charging or the the top of the wave. And then we have a full exhale and it all comes out. So, And then there's like a little element of pause in there if your nervous system is regulated. So it's like this wave is just this natural expansion and contraction that we're going through all the time in absolutely everything. That's amazing. I have never heard that before and it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's that returning to nature, right? Mm. That's brilliant. Um, I could talk about this all day. But... Sure, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I we probably better switch change tack here. Mm. So um the reason I wanted to act to get you on the podcast today, Dana, was because 
So you've got, you've, you know, been doing a bit of HR side hustle thing and you've also been working in your um, business. Body, mind in bloom. And we actually met because you had then decided, because you weren't already doing enough, that you also <laughs> wanted to create this amazing online program as well. So can you tell us a bit about, um, I suppose, about what you're working on with your your online program that you're, you haven't launched it yet, have you? Or you've no, launched part yet. of it? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, well, part of it, I guess, and, and this is probably, it speaks to the journey as it's morphed in its own, <laughs> in life of its own. Um, so traditionally, like most core energetics therapists, um, I was running um, individual su- sessions and couple sessions in person, and I was also doing classes, so mm-hmm. body psychotherapy movement classes in person. And then as we've all experienced, lockdowns happened, COVID happened and everything else. And so a lot of that became not possible anymore. Um, And so everything went online. And that was fine. And it was, I guess, at the beginning, I considered it an interim, you know, detour from business as usual. Um, yeah, but I guess always going to go back to a pre-COVID world. Sure. <laughs> back to normal, right? That was yeah, the thing. <laughs> we were so hopeful and naive. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I guess that's that, that's how we cope with with change, right? True. We kind of resist a little. Um, but I guess what I started to become curious about. So, firstly, was that. I had to build a lot of different skills um, mm-hmm. because I'm a very sensation-based person and a lot of what I was doing was a lot of hands-on work and I was also, um, you know, it, that that instinct or, or clinical knowledge, I guess, that's not, that's that sort of soaks into your cells. Yeah. Um, I was really able to access in person, but I had to kind of build that out um, as I was working online. And then what kind of came to me as, you know, I just was percolating on what I was offering online and that people ended up really loving a lot of the online work, particularly in groups, to the point that they decided as a group they didn't want to go back to in-person. Oh, they, they wanted to stay online. That never happens. Well, yeah, but, they, they you know, the, the members of the group loved that there was people that weren't Brisbane-based. Mm-hmm. and. They became, they, they started to develop relationships with the group of people that were coming regularly and it was important for them that everyone yeah. could continue. Yeah. Um, but also the comfort of their own homes, that mm, no one true. could hear them when they were vocalising was a big plus for a lot of people. Um, so the online classes ended up staying. Um, and then I sort of started to think of, you know, a little bit about my own journey and that, when I was in touch with my therapist in that hour, life was quite manageable and easy and great. Yeah. And then when I left the room, I went back to my normal life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, with, without that therapist, you know, I was left to my own devices. And I kind of started to get curious, like, okay, so there's a lighter touch approach or how can people get support or get 
access to a level of support without in that intensity of one-on-one -on -one therapy or just support in between or budget-wise. You know, if you need to stretch mm. out your length between your sessions, what are you going to do in the in-between time? Mm. So that's kind of what I started percolating on. And, you know, I, I decided there was a few kind of things. I was working with coaches and doing all the stuff like, I don't know where this is because from a business perspective, I don't know. And from a clinical perspective, I'm trying to work it out. Mm -hmm. um, it came to the point that I had to kind of start with what I knew people wanted yep. and needed. And the feedback I was receiving again and again was that they, the, the people in that my clients as well as people in the classes, they want online content that they can take away and use. Mm -hmm. So that is really where I had to start. Mm -hmm. um, and I have lots of things I'd like to do, um, but it's like, having the content that they want was one aspect but the other aspect was having the right content for them that serves them in the moment yeah that was the tricky part <laughs> so how did you sort of think your way around that or how did you come up with a solution well there was a lot of non-solutions that I thought were solutions yep. to start with for sure um, but the main thing was about unpacking in that moment, what is someone aware of within themselves? Mm -hmm. Because so much of what I provide in my work with people, whether it's in a group or individually, is my expertise or my sense from experience of what they need by looking at them, by doing body reading, by seeing what their access to emotions is. You know, it's it's not necessarily about what they know because our patterns as held in the body are unconscious, mm. which is why it was so difficult because I'm thinking, gosh, like what could I ask or how can I elicit what's going on for this person that they're aware of so I can give them information or mm. I can give them support or I can give them activities or exercises to do. And so that's the process that I have been working on and continue to refine, right? So one of those aspects was looking at the nervous system and what people are aware of in their body. And the other aspect is around what is the behaviour that they're engaging in in the moment from a uh, historical pattern perspective. Mm -hmm. And those are the two aspects that essentially in different times through the engagement with different things um, that they respond to. Because with this kind of work, and this was one of the challenges, and I'm sure lots of practitioners in different modalities that work with the body will know this, is that you can provide, say, exercise A to person A, and exercise A to person B will be a total bomb. Yeah. Or you can provide exercise A to person A, 
in the morning and it's great and you provide it to them in another morning and it's a bomb. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not predictable mm. in that way. So it's kind of like how, how creating that, almost systemizing how I make clinical judgments mm-hmm. or systemizing, you know, when I see this or when this is happening, I would suggest this, Te- you know, teasing that out. Um, has really been the biggest part of this work um, from a clinical perspective. Mm. It's really interesting to um, to hear you say that because I can now see, having spoken to a few people who are, you know, body workers like yeah. acupuncturists or yes. whatever who want to offer an online offering but having heard you um, articulate it so nicely, that <laughs> is the problem that they are having. It's yes. how to systematise the clinical judgment. And in addition to that, there's also the duty of care piece. Mm. And that's the thing that, you know, I've been really aware of is that I this systematising of clinical judgments ultimately if, like, we're really, you know, calling a spade a spade it's an experiment Mm -hmm. because this is a traditional way of working in person in real time that we're transforming into a different way in the hope of offering something that's really going to support people and I'm willing to take that risk right for myself even if I get it wrong but I'm not willing to take that risk for my clients And so what that then means is what do I build in to make sure that if it doesn't work, how am I providing support? What do they go to then? You know, what all those checks and balances, because this is a very trauma-informed way of working and I absolutely will not be bringing anything up in people that we can't kind of support and pack away, you mm. know. And and this is where, you know, from a as a as a practitioner and as a human, right? Uh, you know, we don't want to leave anyone worse off ever. No, absolutely not. So I think that's the other aspect for people that are considering changing or doing something different. It's like there's the experimental piece and then there's the non-negotiable, non-experimental piece of you know, if it doesn't work, then what, you know, that's at least from, from my value system, like from my heart, that's so important. Mm. And I, I think all, well, certainly all the clinicians that I know would share that with you. Absolutely. Of course. Of course. So what, what are some sort of um, techniques or options that you have come across or developed to help support that piece? In terms of um, from a system perspective or from a process perspective or? Probably from a process perspective. Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Um, The first thing is that whenever someone attends a class, uh, books in a class, and, of course, their engagement with these various pieces are optional Mm -hmm. um, because I can't, you know, enforce these things. But... um, the first thing is when someone signs up for a class, at the moment I'm just offering the live classes, but this will eventually be a bigger piece um, as we've spoken about. But there's a, 
a little survey that they fill out about things like their mental health history and injuries and things like that, for example. Yep. So that's the first thing. The second thing is with the membership that I am building, um, it, there is an in-person or a online in-person element because without me at least having a touch point that I can see what's happening with someone, mm-hmm. um, I don't feel that I'm really upholding my duty of care for them. Yeah. So that's the other aspect is that I still want to make sure I have a level of a person-to-person contact, even if that's online. Mm-hmm. The other aspect is around um, building Choose Your Own Adventures, which you know about because we've spoken a lot about this from a systems perspective. And so what that is is when people um, go into the membership or uh, go to access resources, they get asked very simple questions from the user side super easy right from the back end there's lots of logic built in so that the person who answers on any certain pathway is delivered with the exercises or the support or the resources that are going to be most helpful for them Mm. so we reduce the the um the likelihood that it's really going to be a mismatch in that moment yeah um, and then the last thing is once someone has actually um, worked through those resources or done that exercise, there's an option for them to give feedback. And so um, not just feedback that's going to come into my email inbox and wait until Monday because, as we know, no one works 24-7, but in the first instance, um, if everything's all good, that's great because that helps me to know that those resources in that pathway work. Mm. But the other aspect is that, okay, so if you're not feeling um, okay after you've done this, um, go to these kind of resources that are going to support calm your nervous system in the first instance and then I'll get back to you within a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unlikely. I mean, the reality is a lot of people tend to have um, emotional um, responses or even physical responses come up actually when there's a level of containment and safety with a practitioner. Mm -hmm. It's less likely that people engage in something on YouTube and go into a full response because they just stop when it's uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, But there's all these just-in-cases that I think are important to have. Um, so that no one's left in that space, you know, mm. and um, with the hope, of course, that not only will people not be left in that space, but people will actually go, oh, yeah, that was kind of good or I feel a bit better or, oh, that was juicy or, you know, whatever the case may be. <laughs> awesome. That all sounds really fantastic and um, it's great to hear about how it's been going. And I really love, I love how you keep coming back to, you know, you're being curious and you've just, you're trying different things and seeing what's worked. Cause I think that's, that's a, such an important component of like any business building any business. And it's something that we tend to shy away from. It's, it's like um, my coach says that, you know, the best way to succeed is to fail your way there Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, you try something and it doesn't work. And so you got look at it and you pull it apart and go, okay, why didn't this work? What can I try differently next time? 
yeah and being open to that and to trying things and have them not work and trying something else I think that's that's such a valuable way to do like I mean obviously it's part of your process because you've never done this before so you have to do it to learning but just in business in general it's such a fantastic way of doing it you know I think the thing is you know we all talk about these things but there's a level of vulnerability that comes with that right Mm. you know I could definitely do traditional body psychotherapy chronogenics work and I'm sure everyone would you know be like yeah cool that's fine you know there's like that's my comfort zone because I know the work yeah but it's like the creative part and the curious part and the vulnerable part is that I may not always get this right. In fact, I'm sure I won't. Mm. And can I hold myself in high regard professionally and personally and as, as a human when I don't get it right? Mm. You know? And I think that's in a that's the emotional part of it. And from a budget side or a time side, we have limited funds you know all of us have a limited amount of money unfortunately and we also have a limited amount of time and so you know there's a way of having to let go of the fact that I'm going to spend money with no results sometimes (laughs) or I'm going to spend my time and my blood and my sweat and tears with no immediate result even though it all contributes to the final outcome Mm. um but that's something that you know, I have to work my with myself about, you know, because my ultimate goal of helping people and supporting people in those lonely 3 a.m. awake, scrolling through Google as to how to stop dating the wrong person, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to somehow reach and support people in those vulnerable moments overrides everything else for me. Mm. Well, that's also another good segue into my next question. Which ah. is, so, you know, you're running, you're doing your HR thing, you're running your other business and you're also setting up and trying and testing and doing all the stuff with this online offering. Yeah. How do you fit it all in? How do you fit it all in? And, you know, this kind of goes back to what we touched on at the start yeah. and stay healthy. I do it really, really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> you know let's talk about that because <laughs> so many people have a deadline of yesterday and I have been so guilty of this myself it's like I've got a project it's got to be done in two months got to got to got to got to even if I'm working weekends nights doesn't matter and yeah. you've been working on this for a while now yeah. so tell us how how you've managed to stay committed and to you know, keep your focus and motivation working on it for such a long time? Um, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have a deadline of a year ago, right? Yeah. Um, but I think for me it's, this is a hard job. Mm. You know, and it's creative and it's challenging and there's all these new things I have to learn and sometimes I want to chuck my computer against the wall, you know, like (laughs) all of those things. But this is a hard job for me. Mm -hmm. And so it's like for me I know that 
when I start to get that pressure and when I start to feel my body, you know, tense up and I start to lose the joy and I start to lose my heart in the work that I'm doing, I'm like, you know what, like stop, like something's off here. And so if it means I can come to this work for one hour with my heart, that's what I'll do. If it can be 10 hours, if I can spend a random night up until midnight working on it with my heart, fantastic. Um, But it's like it's more around my purpose for myself and Mm. what I hope to, to, to give in my life. So, you know, I think that I'm in a really privileged position and not everyone has this, right? I'm not in business full time for this exact reason. You know, I want to make sure that I kind of get my bread and butter from a very minimal perspective, you know, set so that I can approach this work with more heart and more ease and all of those things Um, and passion too, right? and that's just the way I've sorted it to to be okay with it for myself. But, you know, it's also moderating my expectations about being human. Um, yes. You know, that Absolutely. those the productive people like me that love the top, just I just want the top of the wave. You know, let the rest just fall yeah. out. Let's be the top of the wave. Thanks Let's for pretend it. the rest doesn't yeah. happen. We'll just <laughs> stay on that wave forever. So, exactly. And that's the thing is that... Um, so many people I work with, and I can relate to it myself, but so many people that I work with want to be at the peak of that wave all the time, mm. and then they crash. And mm. I have crashed more times than I can say through my whole life. But it's like, what if I could just be human with this? Mm. <laughs> and that means that I need nine hours sleep because I know I'm grumpy as hell and want to eat the legs off a chair if I don't sleep properly, you know, like, what do I have to do as a human to make myself okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's for me has to be the priority. Yeah, no, I I hear you, and it's an interesting another interesting point you've brought up. So many interesting points, but another interesting point <laughs> that you brought up, which is something that I've actually embraced recently, which mm. is not working full time in your business, having your bills paid for from another income source because I I recently took on a um, funny enough business coaching job but working yeah. under a, a federal contract four days a week so I currently only get one day a week in my business and that has made such a big difference to me like yeah. I see clients that I really enjoy because I've got the time to think about them mm. and I've got the time to like I'm working on some online course offerings and mm. I come to and the day we're recording this Wednesday is my business day so I actually come to my Wednesday and it's like oh this is so fabulous and it's a whole world of opportunity like it's such a joyful day for me getting to come into my business instead of like grinding through every day like the focus has completely changed you know I don't like the income from my business is fabulous it boosts my income but I don't rely on it so it can just do its own thing I'm not focused on the money instead I focus on my clients and creating stuff to help them and it really changes everything doesn't it yeah it totally does you know I think that Certainly lots of people can have that same vibe. Mm. 
um, within a full-time business, you know, and all the more power, like, you know, to you if you can. I, I think for me with this kind of work, because it is uh, deeply emotional work for people, mm. um, there's something for me in that unconscious dynamic with clients where I'm under financial pressure that leaches into the relationship. Yeah. And I just was never willing to have that. Yeah. Um, because I feel like it's that lack of expectation on someone. Mm. You know, it's the genuine openness and holding that if they go, I don't, I want to stop therapy, that's fine. Mm. You know, or I want to come every week, that's fine. Or I need to stretch it out, that's fine. Um, and that's not due Ill in, due to ill intent by anyone. But if you are genuinely reliant on having, I don't know, 10 clients a week to survive and that 10th client says they want to stop or they need to change or something, mm. you can't help but have a reaction because mm. you're aware of the consequence of that. Um, at least for me, that's how my brain works, you know. No, so I'm the same. But I, I also had a little bit that I had to deal with because like I really struggled with so does this mean I'm failing in my business if I'm taking on this you know job to but I've come to realize that no it just means like I'm so much more creative I have so many I wish I had more than one day in my business so I could actually action all these amazing ideas that keep coming to me like it really has shifted my mindset yeah and it's wonderful you know that you have that stability for yourself but it's great for you because your you know bread and butter job also is something you love yes and you're kind of doing the same thing in a way or a very similar thing so you know I think that's so wonderful you know because it's almost like you're learning through that job and then bringing it back as well that is exactly what's happening so, yeah, it's it was very fortunate that that came my way. But, yeah, just and then giving myself the freedom in my business to just yeah. try new things. But the lesson has been because one day you cannot move a mountain. <laughs> so, no. I, you know, normally I'd want to get this done in 30 days. Okay, I need to say I'll have it done by the end of the quarter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the, okay that's the painful that. bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you said, I have to realise that I'm human. Yeah. Not superhuman. No. Like it doesn't matter that I'm a productivity coach, I'm still human. Yes. And, yeah, it's so many people, like you said, just the productivity is all about getting stuff done, getting stuff done, getting stuff done, whereas it, it's not. It's about being okay with the stuff that you didn't get done and mm. not overworking to make that up. And, yeah. you know, like the client I was talking to today when she was sick for those three days, it's like the beautiful part was when she said, cause I said, okay, so how did you go then planning this week? And it was like, yeah. well, I just wiped the slate clean and started again, you know, not trying to squeeze extra bits in to get the stuff done. She didn't get done. It's like, that's all right. Just replan my week. Yeah, the surrender of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, good, good for them. I, and I just, um, 
Yeah, I, I always like, you know, there's so many quotes on this, like a million, right? You see them everywhere, but it's like we're human beings, not human doings, right? Yes. <laughs> so I always, I always really liked that, you know, there was something about that that always really resonated with me, even though I didn't necessarily, you know, walk the talk in that respect for a really long time um, I'm slowly getting there yeah <laughs> absolutely well Dana it has been such a pleasure talking to you about all of this um before we kind of get on to the wrap-up stuff is is there any sort of final takeaway or piece of advice or anything you'd like to give to people who are thinking about, you know, taking a predominantly offline business and working out a way to take it online? Yeah, I think the thing, you know, there's a beautiful advice that one of my um, one of my dear friends um, heard and I think it's really true. It's, you know, you can juggle all the balls, just make sure you don't drop the glass ones. Oh. you know and what what are they for you in your business or your clients or your family or your life and I think that's the that's the bottom line you know for me personally the glass ones was I want to make sure that it's trauma-informed and that no one's left you know not okay after engaging with me that's the glass ball so everything else can be negotiated and I can drop the rubber ones and the bouncy ones but that one I'm going to hold really dear and really Mm. take care of um and I think and my life right my happiness and my well-being you know yeah so I think whatever's glass for you in your life if you know that and you can identify it um it's okay for the other ones to drop sometimes Mm. That's beautiful. I like that. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. So to finish off, tell us where our listeners can find you. Yeah, so um, probably I'm most active at the moment at Core Explore Online. So that's on Instagram or on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and the website is coming soon. So it will be coreexploreonline.com um, or it may be out by the time this episode's out. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, otherwise, you know, you can always find me there and feel free to send me a DM or, you know, just connect however feels right for you. I'm always open to having a chat and seeing what feels right for people if they want to engage or just find out more or connect. Fantastic. Thank you again for joining me today. It has been, I've really enjoyed it. It's been fabulous. (laughs) Me too. Thank you, Makala. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time, take care and drink responsibly.